As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. That on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. With me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night with a game winner for John Collins, who tipped in a shot as time expired to give the Hawks a 113-111 to win over the Pacers. John Collins, also known as the longest-tenured Atlanta Hawk, Atlanta <laughs> legend. He's been a hot name on the trade market for the fifth consecutive season. Shams reported this week that both the Jazz and the Wizards are interested in Collins. Now, for as strange as things have been off the court for the Hawks, with frequent trade rumors, coaching rumors, front office reshuffling, the on-court product has improved. The Hawks have now won four in a row to get back over 500 and sit at eight in the East. On Saturday, Portland got the first of two back-to-back wins over the Dallas Mavericks. Dame followed up his 50-pointer against Cleveland last week with 36 and 40 points in the two games against Dallas. The win snapped a five-game losing streak for the Blazers, and while the two wins were important, the Blazers dropped their next two against Denver and Philly, meaning they are now 4-11 in their last 15. The Mavs, meanwhile, had an interesting week. They've lost three in a row, and five of their last six. Christian Wood fractured his thumb and will be sidelined until at least next week. Tim McMahon reported that Luka Doncic, who, quote, hasn't shown a desire to be involved in personnel matters in the past, has strongly indicated he wants the Mavs to upgrade before the February 9th trade deadline. Mark Cuban responded to that report, saying, quote, Tim McMahon got it dead wrong. Luka has (laughs) never suggested, asked, demanded, or discussed changes to the roster. Now, Cuban also made headlines for his opinion of a new Luka mural in the Deep Ellum neighborhood of Dallas, which he told the artist was, quote, disrespectful. The mural depicts Luka holding a sign that says, please send help. 
Now, lucky for Cuban, this Western Conference is such a mess after the top four. So the Mavs look fine right now in the fifth seed. Unlucky for Cuban, though, the Mavs are now only two games out of the 11th seed. On Sunday, our Chicago Bulls had an impressive 132-118 victory over the Golden State Warriors. Nikola Vucevic scored 43 in the game, tying his career high. The Bulls remain in the 10th spot, as we'll discuss later. The Warriors, meanwhile, remain embarrassingly bad on the road, Andrew, despite having Steph back from injury. After a loss in Boston later in the week, which we'll discuss, the Warriors are now 5-18 on the road and 17-5 at home. The Warriors are back under 500, sitting at ninth in the Western Conference. On Monday, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. There was basketball for breakfast, lunch, and dinner out here on the West Coast. My favorite game was the Raptors and Knicks. The game was close throughout. Came down to the very end. With six seconds left and up by two, Scotty Barnes misses his second free throw. R.J. Barrett grabs the rebound, goes the length of the court to throw down a game-tying dunk over Scotty with only 0.6 seconds remaining. It was an electric play. The garden was, was going crazy. Amazing. The game went to overtime. Unfortunately for the Knicks, the dunk was not enough as the Raptors pulled it out in OT, 123 to 121. And it was a great week for Scotty Barnes, who I just mentioned, who was averaging 22, 10, and 5 over his last four games. The Raptors remain in their funk, however, still outside the play-in with everyone waiting to see what they will do at the deadline. On Tuesday, Joel Embiid scored 41 and led the Sixers to a 120-110 victory over the Clippers in LA. The Sixers have been dominant now for a little over a month. Since December 9th, they are 17-4. The only team with a better record over that span is Denver, who is 17-3. And speaking of the Nuggets, guess what? Next Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific, 10 a.m. Hawaii. It's the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Denver Nuggets. MB oh. versus Jokic. ABC, be there. Meanwhile, uh, the Clippers are not good right now. They are 2-9 <laughs> in their last 11. They are under 500 for the first time since November 1st. Some good news, though, is that their next four games are San Antonio twice, Dallas, and the Lakers. So maybe they'll turn it around. Paul George said this week that, quote, urgency starts now. We've got to start playing with some desperation. He then sat out the next game. But the point is that PG and Kawhi should be available for all four games since there are no back-to-backs. So we will see. Should be. Should be. On Wednesday. It was a fun matchup between the Cavs and the Grizz in Memphis. The Cavs were up in the final minute until Steven Adams tipped in a John Morant missed layup with 16 seconds left. There was still plenty of time for the Cavs and Darius Garland, who had 24 and 14 in the game. But in the end, it was Dylan Brooks who stayed glued to Garland and blocked the potential game-winning three as time expired. The Grizzlies have won 11 in a row, tying a franchise record. Up next for Memphis is a five-game West Coast road trip. And finally, on Thursday, we had one of the games of the year, a rematch of last year's finals, Warriors-Celtics in Boston. Four different Warriors scored 20 points, including 29 from Steph, who hit a ridiculous half-court shot as the buzzer sounded on the first half. It would not be enough, however. After Jalen Brown hit a game-tying three-pointer to send it in overtime, the Celtics had an 8-0 run in overtime to get the win. Jason Tatum, who struggled at various points during the game, shooting only 9 for 27, had 7 turnovers. He still finished with 34 points, going 12 of 12 from the line and grabbing a career-high 19 rebounds. What a week it was, Andrew. 
What a week it was. Uh, we are now going to be joined by our guy Mark Schindler to discuss the Western Conference. All right, well, when I was thinking about who to have on for this segment, I was like, well, I need somebody really smart. I need somebody that has an open mind because the Western Conference is just so strange this year. And I was like, that, those two, the, the boxes are checked with Mark Schindler, who is a contributor here on the Athletic NBA show for the Daily Ding on, on Monday nights. If you're not listening to the Daily Ding, you should. Uh, Mark and Mark is my co-host on Mondays, and then he works for WNBA.com. He's working for Basketball News. Like he's just doing stuff all over the place. Mark, how's it going, man? I'm good. I uh, my sneakers drop hit this morning. Fresh pair of Air Penny Twos that are uh, that I'm very excited about. It was like, dude, I you have no idea. I was just like sitting by my phone until 10 a.m. like waiting for the <laughs> notification to hit that it, that it was ready. Because um, this was a pair that I was like. I have to get these. I'm very excited. Um, and then, uh, yeah, in about a half an hour, my uh, my order from First Watch is going to get here. I mean, eat breakfast, so I'm excited Dang. about that. Um, That's a yeah. good way to start a Friday. It's a good man. day, man. I can't complain. And I'm, I'm wow. chilling with low low post superstar guest oh. Andrew Schleck, so um, <laughs> it's a good day, man. Oh, man. I wanted to talk about the Western Conference, mostly because you look at the standings, and it's so jumbled like you've got the blazer sitting there at 21 and 24 and they're only a game and a half back of like really being in this and they're in 12th place and even the lakers like they're not fully out of this you know they're they're two games away from being in the play-in they're two and a half games from being in the sixth seed but the, the problem is you got to jump so many teams. Like the Lakers to get to the sixth seed, like you can say, oh, I'm a Lakers fan. They're only two and a half back of the of the sixth seed. They'll be fine. They got to jump one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams to get there. So that two and a half games is not two and a half games. Like it's like a million games. And so I wanted to take a look at historically, like where are we with this current Western Conference and like how good – are the top tier teams. So I went back and I looked at net rating for teams over the course of the last decade plus. So I went all the way back to 2011-12 and just looked at how many teams have a plus five or better net rating in the West. And typically like the number that I like is plus six, but there's just not that many plus six teams. In fact, there's not one plus six team in the West this year. The Grizzlies have the best net rating in the West. They're a plus 5.7. That's the highest. Historically, you go look back, there's been 31 teams to have a plus 5 net rating or better since 11-12. They would rank 26th on this list out of all the teams. And you look at like the dominant teams of, of the last decade plus. Golden State Warriors, plus 11. San Antonio Spurs in 15-16, plus 11. Oklahoma City Thunder in 12-13, plus 9.9. Golden State in 14-15, when they like burst onto the scene, plus 9.9. Like Those are numbers of like dominant teams, teams that are really going to just tear through the conference. And you look at the plus 5.7, I mean, the historical comps for, for those teams would be the Warriors two years ago, were like a plus 5.5. The Suns in 2020-2021 were a plus 5.9. I mean, they're good teams, but they're not like 
historical teams or like great teams that you think like, oh, I definitely believe the Grizzlies can make it to the finals. I think they can. But looking back at the Western Conference, like this is about as weak at the top as the West has been in a really, really long time. You'd have to go back a long ways to find a Western Conference that didn't have dominant teams. And so I think just things just feel a little bit different in the West this year. I don't know if you feel the same way. It's interesting because um, I, I would feel like maybe a little bit different about Memphis just considering how much time Jaron missed at the beginning of the season and the, mm-hmm. the streak that they're on right now. Sure. Um, but I totally agree. And I think uh, maybe some people would look at that and be like, oh, well, this is just a sign. Like, A, like there's more stars in the East now, which, is, yes. Like, I think that's definitely played a part. Like, I think you can look and say comfortably that seven of the 10 best teams are in the East. Um, like, I mean, that yeah. plays out in record. That plays out in how we've seen the game. Um, but I think to me, it's it's A, just parity to a degree, but also it has been injuries. Like, I think injuries have played a part. Um, yeah. Like just mentioned with Jaron, um, Zion, Brandon, uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, missing time, CJ McCollum this time too. Like that, the Pelicans have been, hey, I think they're, they're just the fun sleeping giant when you consider how many guys have, have missed time and how well they still have played. They've been a little bit of a, a rough spot recently, but they're still, you know, they're still in fourth. They've been playing really well. I think like you look again to like banking early wins is kind of massive for what the top four teams have been like. Other than Sacramento, because Sacramento had the rough start, but like Memphis, New Orleans, Denver all came out, not necessarily hot out the gates, but even with some adversity, they played pretty well. Um, So it's interesting seeing how it's playing out. Um, I I think when I look up and down, exactly like you're mentioning, like it's different. Like I, my like first major playoff foray year was, I'm trying to think it was 13, 14, or 14, 15. 13, 14 was like the first year I really started like watching basketball heavily, but 14, 15, like mm-hmm. I think that's the Clippers Spurs first round when both teams had won like 55 games. It's not the same. Yeah. But I think part of that is just like, again, like you're mentioning, okay, how many teams are not in it this year or trying to be in it this year? Like four, yeah. maybe. So yeah. it's, I mean, Clippers, it's a, it's Clippers Spurs balance. that year, they were both plus six net rating. Like, yeah. Like I mean, those really teams good were so teams. Good. Yeah, really, really good teams. Yeah, uh, let's lock in in the West. Who do you believe is going to admit, like, they're going to make the playoffs, no play-in? Like, who are you, you going to lock in? Because I feel like the number might actually be kind of low. <laughs> because yeah. Because um, you just don't know. Because, like, Utah is currently at six. Like, you could easily see Utah, like, falling back as far as, like, 11, 12. Can I, mean, I just not, say Outrageous. With, yeah. With respect to Utah, um, I agree. Like I they're not a team I would lock in for the playoffs. I think that my assumption would be that they make some some stuff happen at the trade deadline. They feel like one of the mm-hmm. few teams that really might be able to to make some things happen for other teams. And I think that puts them in a really interesting position for, you know, just acquiring more in what they want to do moving forward. But I just have to say, we need to, shout out to Lowry Marketing, because like I tweeted this, I think yesterday or the day before. He has not dipped at all this season. Like, obviously, no. Utah, like, they've been a little bit resurgent over the last two weeks after, you know, kind of falling off from where they were at the beginning. Their offense has still been dominant. And he's just been incredible. So I'm pull, pulling up his stats since Christmas right now. He's only missed two games. 20, I mean, not 20, geez, that's his game score. 
31 points per game, 10 and a half boards uh, on 49, 38, 93 shooting. Getting to the line 10 times, taking eight threes per game. His defense has still been good. Like, I think he's been just a revelation for me this year. And, like, seeing guys that I I, I just – it it makes me open my mind a lot more to what growth can be for guys because this has been – I mean, what, what he did against the Clippers was awesome. He had a, that 49-point game against Houston early on in yeah. uh, in, in, in January. Um, that's been fun. So I just had to shout them out really quick. But in terms of actually locking in yeah. teams – um, I think Memphis and Denver are for sure. Like that's, I have no questions about them. Lock them in, baby. Lock them uh, in. Pelicans, I think I would be just about there. Like I, I would lock them not, in just because yeah. they played well through so much adversity. Yeah, I think yeah. my thing's just going to be how are they? You know, when when is Brandon coming back? Um, how soon yeah. are we seeing Zion? Like obviously, like that's stuff that that we need to see. But I would be pretty comfortable locking them in. I want to get there with the Kings. Um, yeah, I really think like this team is just good, man. Like this team is just good. And I, I'm curious yeah. again, do they make a move? Cause they had like, it feels, this is a team that just does not get blown out. Like they, yeah. I think they've lost in blowouts maybe twice this year, like once to Boston and once to Philadelphia. And that's, they just score too much, man. They just score too many points. And they're in, like, they are so good in the clutch too. And I mean, yeah, they're on Fox a nice little five game winning streak right now. Again, you can yeah. point out who they've who they've beaten, but in that game against LA, Rashawn Holmes, who has barely played this year, um, mm-hmm. has a massive game. I think that's where my biggest thing is, okay, uh, if they have any kind of injury to, to Sabonis, like if he re-injures his hand or something, then I'd have questions because you really see their offense start to struggle to a degree when he's out. But even then, I mean, they keep chugging along. So I think I would actually – I will make them my fourth team that I say is a playoff lock. Okay, wow, locking yeah. in the Kings. I'll do it. Man, what a year for the Kings. I love it. I this love is, everything. This was not this was not expected for them to be able to do something like this. And I it it feels just as an NBA fan, like I'm not a Kings fan. Uh, but it feels good to see the Kings playing well. Yes. And all the the beam and the festivities around it and this like specific team, the way they came together. Most like everybody's been killing the Kings for the Halliburton trade. And like there's reasons to do that, but they they put together a squad. Like the Kevin Herter deal was massive for them. Like they've they've done a good job of putting together a fun team. They just need to find ways to get stops because, and this isn't accounting for like how we think they'll play in the playoffs, but like you got to be able to get stops. Like when when you get in the mud, how do you play? And I just mm-hmm. am curious to see what that looks like for the Kings. Uh, I don't I don't know that I can lock them into just a playoff spot. What? How do you feel about Dallas? Like Dallas is like the only the other team that I would consider here. I, uh, I, I just struggle with this Dallas team sometimes. I know, I know. Um, like they really have not played well lately. Uh, yeah. Obviously, part of that. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been out. Max Kluber hasn't played in a while. Um, which that's you know to be expected. He's been out since since huge loss. early. I mean, yeah. middle of December. Um, and there's just a lot of the weirdness floating around with this team. Uh, and I again, I'm not trying to discount. Like, Luka's been amazing. He's been an MVP candidate this year. He's going to be first-team All-NBA no. with how he's played. No question. But, like, exactly. Like, they've needed what he's done to be just above 500. Um, yeah. I don't have a lot of confidence in the supporting cast. Like, I think 
I mean, like it got reported that they're looking to potentially move on from Reggie Bullock. Like, cool. I just don't know what you're getting back. What I mean, yeah. in some ways, I think that they've really they've missed what he brings this year. Like, I mean, w- with yeah. what he brought last year, like I don't think he's um, yeah. been he's been serviceable as a defender. But like when his shot isn't falling like like that, it's noticeable. Um, mm-hmm. Getting Josh Green back helps again. But again, like exactly like we're talking about somebody who's a sixth or seventh man who's having a massive impact because of what the roster has been right now. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe a potential move could make a change. But for where, if they if this team stays the same, I don't think it's unrealistic that they end up being like on the cusp of the plan. Yeah, they they have the, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Suns and the Blazers all have better point differentials than the Mavs. So like that number scares me quite a bit with mm-hmm. them that they that they could fall back. Um, I might only lock in as like playoff locks. Like obviously, more than three teams are going to be in these spots, but probably just Memphis, Denver, and New Orleans because I think it's possible that you see the Clippers get it together at some point. I think it's possible that you see Golden State get it, get it together, even Phoenix. Getting their guys back would help tremendously. You know, if they've finished the season on a tear with Devin Booker back, like that wouldn't shock me. So I feel like I can only reserve those like three spots. And then I could see Sacramento going through a slump. I could see Dallas falling back. Utah, I'm not the biggest believer in. And then like Minnesota, like no. No, I'm not here for uh, my my faith meter is like zero in Minnesota because every time they have a a nice stretch, I'm like, oh, they're getting something. And then it's like, no, we're not. What are you talking about? Um, They have played a lot better recently, but exactly. They've had a good stretch. They have played. They have the four game winning streak, four game winning streak. And then it's like, all right, well, let's lose to Houston. And like, just, you know, (sighs) uh, not Houston. I mean, Detroit. I can't speak. Yeah, Uh, yeah, Yeah. But like. Exactly. Like that that stuff is just mind numbing. And then they go out and beat the Cavs. Like under man, they beat the Cavs. And mm-hmm. then they lose to Utah. And it's this team, man. Um and and that feels like everybody in the West. Um I'm with you too. I think with Golden State, like we're obviously banking on them, um, figuring some stuff out. But I mean, like, yes, Steph has come back recently, but they still are having a lot of the same problems. Clay's been awesome. They put. I'm interested to see if they keep Jordan Poole in the starting lineup after last night's game because they did that for the first time since the finals with Looney out. Um, so that was interesting to see. I want to go back and watch that game again just to see if anything really sticks to me. Like I thought they played well. It's just Boston and that was, game was so fun too. Yeah, Boston. Like, I just really want to watch it night. just to watch it again. That was so yeah. much fun. Yeah. Um, and are they going to do something? That's that's a team that needs to make a move. They need. Yeah. They need to shore up the back end of this roster for guys that can play in the playoffs. Like I, Ty Jerome is a fun player. He's a good decision maker. He can really shoot it. But I, j- I just have a hard time believing they're going to play Ty Jerome in the playoffs. And so like, can, we, can we solidify that spot? Like, can we get one more DiVincenzo-level player yeah. in with this team? And then I feel a whole lot better about them, not only like succeeding in the regular season, but in the playoffs. Yeah. No, 100%. Because I think that's that they're just missing one more steady guy, it feels like at times. Um, And then, I mean, going off that too, Clippers feel like, I mean, just based on everything that keeps coming out, like it seems like they are trying to make some kind of consolidation trade. Easier said than done to just consolidate four guys into one um, Mm -hmm. because that just doesn't happen very often. Um, Like, I think that there's good stuff there. Like, Kawhi 
as much as, again, this team has kind of struggled of late, like Kawhi's been awesome when he's on. But exactly like you're talking about when he's on, Paul George is still when coming back yeah. from injury. Like both guys are kind of in and out right now. I don't know. The, it, like exactly like we're talking about. It feels like for six or seven teams, we can have the same conversation. Um, I'm probably yeah. a little bit more bullish on Phoenix rising back up. But it, even yeah. then, like yeah. they obviously had the like a huge downturn. But given all the injuries, I've gotten it to a degree. Um I mean, Booker's still not being reevaluated until next week, uh, which is that feels a lot longer away than it than it is. Um, it feels like post All Star break might be in the cards for him. Yeah. Even I hope that he come back before then. But Cam Johnson just, just came back yesterday too, which was nice to see, and he played. Oh, it's great! Yeah. yeah, we forget how impactful he is. Yeah, just as yeah. a floor spacer, and he can he's got a little bit more juice than just a spot up shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so who do you like? to make the play in like the back half. So I think the teams that will be competing for a play in spot, I put Minnesota in there, Oklahoma city in there. I put the trailblazers and I put the Lakers are all kind of in there. And three of those teams are likely going to miss and somebody's going to squeeze in. Like who do you like that are kind of more toward the back half that we haven't talked about yet to, to squeeze into the play in. I really like OKC, um, and I'm interested. I think the biggest thing will just be what do uh, what does the front office want to do with this one? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, because they're they're hitting the point where they have to make a decision on that. Um, not that I think that yeah. they necessarily quote unquote want to like tank or anything, but this team is just good. Um, like yeah. Josh Giddy, like you you guys on that down to dunk did a great pod with Nikias Duncan on this. Josh Giddy's just been really good he's he's coming into his own and that's that's been still being able to play alongside Shea I think there's been a lot of oh well can they play together this and that and I think to me that's dispelled a little bit this year it's not full like I I want to see as both guys continue to grow I want to see what that continues to look like but I have less questions about that this year than I did last year um if they like this team like like think about it if they added like Doug McDermott, which again, I don't think that they're going to go out and make some move like that. But like former Thunder player, just, Doug Dougie McBuckets, exactly. Like if they just go out and get like if they had one another guy like Isaiah Joe, then I'm like yeah. I think this 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 offense is is like not top ten, but with how good Shea has been and the way that they're starting to figure some things out with with Giddy, I think that's a team that makes the playoffs through the play in. Like Shea, yeah. like teams just literally don't have an answer for Shea. Um, and no. adding any kind of gravity on top of that, I mean, game over, man. The, the yeah. shooting can still be suspect, but I think mostly it's been better this year. Um, a lot just depends on, like, I would really like to see Trey Mann get anything going again. But, yeah. again, it's like a that's, it's been a rough season for him. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's a play-in team for sure with how they're – if they keep playing like this, especially with how good their defense is. Like, Oh, that's the thing, right? And the like what's – that's What's it. fun about this team too is like if they got the right matchup in a series, I, I might pick them because like <laughs> I, I like you you can have real questions about them. I do, yeah. But like yeah. Ex- I mean, I just they can defend some teams and really bother them. Like they are so good playing against the Clippers, in my opinion. Like if you are a team yeah. that does not have a super advanced playmaker that can take advantage of two to the ball then you're screwed. Like this team will, they'll, they'll struggle a lot if they play like Dallas in the play in. 
um because yeah, luca's gonna pick that apart but like yeah if you play a team that's kind of stagnant good luck um yeah, yeah this team rocks they're gonna fly around they they if you have a player that even steps with the ball steps toward the paint they're swarming they yeah. won't they're not gonna let you get there i mean since the turn of the year they're seven and two they have the best net rating in the nba they have the fourth best offense and they have the third best or third best offense fourth best defense in the nba now that's a small sample size this is just nine games but they've played so well and they've really found something with this new starting lineup and they've had a a ton of injuries to their big guys uh and jeremiah robinson earl poku's been out and they have slid kenrich williams six foot six kenrich williams into the center spot he jumps center for them and it's hilarious every time that he does but they everybody is basically six six or taller they all just swarm and they can all drive and make a decision i mean kenrich had 10 assists the other night against indiana and he i mean guarded miles turner really well too that was fun to watch yeah i mean he's strong enough and he believes in himself enough <laughs> to guard a guy like miles turner even down there so he's this this team is going to be really fun. It's going to be interesting because what you said about adding a player, they're not doing that. That's not going to happen. The mm-hmm. player they're going to add soon is Usman Jang, who they drafted at 11. He had He's had two wrist injuries, one at the beginning of the season and then one just a few weeks ago, and he's coming back. They sent him to the blue. He's been playing the G League for a little bit, and then he's going to come back to the Thunder. That's the guy they're adding. So they're adding a super young guy, inexperienced, He's a really interesting player because he's a seven-footer. He can handle the ball. He can pass. He started to show some shooting before he got hurt. So that that's who they're going to add. And typically when you add a young, inexperienced rookie, it's not going to help you take a step forward. It'll probably make you take a step back. So they're they're going to likely take a little bit of a step back. But is it enough to keep them out of the playoff or the the play in like i i kind of don't think so i think that there's still a pretty good chance i don't think you can pull this team back to like tank yet like or now like that that is over i believe like they can't get a top i don't think they're going to get a top five pick unless they get really lucky like they're probably going to end up if they are in the lottery from eight to 12 is where i would imagine that they would be if they decide to pull this back a little bit so it's kind of funny because they uh obviously we're not talking about the east today but they uh they're in a different spot for sure, but them and Indiana kind of mirror each other a little bit in some ways this season sure. in terms of the way that yeah. they've played out in their conference. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. I think Shea's just too good to uh, – exactly like you're saying, for them to, to really drop all that much. Um, yeah. The team that I'm really interested to see what happens – I know everybody's going to bring up the Lakers, but for me it's Portland because um, yeah, they're a team that re- they have the contracts and kind of guys to – to make some kind of move. I'm interested to see what that is. Cause like this team has actually not been a very good shooting team outside of Damon Simons. Um, yeah. That's been the struggle. Like yeah. it's very noticeable how much they can their The floor can get cramped if depending on who they have in the wing, like if Jeremy grants off the court, like their offense tanks, even if they have those two mm-hmm. guys together, just because they're like, okay, we'll sag off Josh Hart. We'll sag off of Jabari Walker, like whoever's out there, like teams are just comfortable letting go. Like, Nas Little's been back, which is cool. He he was doing some fun stuff before injury. But, again, like, do they make some kind of upgrade at the five? Because Nurk has had a little bit of a weird season. He doesn't super fit in with what they are, are running at times. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I think this team, like once they get out of their what what's been a pretty massive shooting slump for the roster, I feel that they're a 500 team. But a lot's just going to be: do they feel that they want to be more than that? I don't know. Like Dame's been too good this year for me to to think that they should be willing to just kind of hit eject on this season. But yeah. um, clearly, like when they've matched up against top teams, they've shown that they need more offensively. I think like their defense can struggle, but to me, it's more about their offense and and what that parlays into with some of their uh, with, with what can be some of their defensive limitations. Yeah, yeah, they they have just they've played under what they should be offensively with regards to shooting and I think they can be better I actually yeah. picked them for my turnaround team and they've been horrible since I picked them <laughs> to yeah. be my turnaround team you killed Andrew Schleck killed the Blazers you heard it here first I did. <laughs> it's been so ridiculous but uh okay so let's pick who we think will be the top 10 teams at the end of the season so I think it's easy to say Denver Grizzlies Kings, Pelicans. I think the Mavs will be in there. Mm-hmm. Golden State. I think the Clippers will still get there. Mm-hmm. So now we're at seven. I who, think. Who do you just, feel good about now? I mean, I don't really feel good about anybody, but I, I think I have to throw Phoenix in there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Phoenix, give me Phoenix. I think they're going to get it together enough now, enough to like win around. Like probably not, but enough to get there. Yes, I feel good about that. And so then there's I just two more spots. feel absolutely lukewarm about everybody else. Um, I know. Did we already say the Clippers? We did. Yeah. Um, so I don't like even Utah, feel good Minnesota. about the like, Yeah, I know. I don't either. I just I have I have faith in NBA veterans yeah. that have a track record for getting there to just get there again. And Ty Lue. like Ty Lue, No one has talked about Ty Lue at all this year. Mostly just because it it feels like. It feels like the Clippers' like schemes have almost taken a step back this year. It's just weird watching them. Well, it's hard um, to, and not to like go on a huge tangent about this, but like I, yeah. I see a lot of like, oh well, Ty Lue can't be that great of a coach. I don't like what they run this year, and like part of it's hard because, I mean, how are they? Not that they can't run things, but I watch that team play, and I'm like, okay, well, what are you expecting them to do schematically with what their personnel can be? Sometimes, like they don't yeah. create separation very often. It's a lot of Sur- like thriving or surviving, I should say, through tough shots. There's um, no dynamic hoping, guards. Yeah, hoping to draw to the ball. Like they don't get to the rim a yeah. ton. Like even when they do get to the rim, it's like okay, well, we're we're passing the ball out, and Marcus Morris is getting into a, a face up jab step ISO sure. series instead of taking an open shot. Like, and that's not I'm, like yeah. he's done good things this year, but like that is so routine, routinely the thing with them. Like they're not a team that is dynamic offensively like i think you can create the best schemes in the world but if you have guys who don't really fit in with that like i can't blame the coach for that um no i i don't disagree with that i don't uh, disagree with that at all yeah i I mean yeah so i'd have them there phoenix i don't know what to do with the last two teams i think that i would i would yeah i would have more faith in portland than i do in minnesota at the moment if i'm being honest even though i kind of do too yeah. Even though, you know, you can see them going in different trajectories with how January has gone. Um, I th- I'm just really interested to see what happens when Cat comes back. Because, A, I've missed watching him play. Like, I love watching Cat play. I know he can be headache-inducing for some people, but I just think he's awesome. He's so fun to watch. He's but just too, He's just too cringy off the court. It, yeah, yeah, he can be. Uh, but it's uh, – I just – 
like with how weird that whole front court has been because Gobert's missed a bunch of time, as my fantasy team is well aware. Um, mm-hmm. Like they've had like Nas Reed has played really well, but then when he steps into a starting role, it hasn't hit quite the same. Not that he's been bad, but it's just like it's toggling through a lot of different things. They feel like they need a shakeup for sure. There's been the reporting mm-hmm. out there that it's unlikely that they're going to re-sign Nas, so I'd imagine that they trade him at the trade deadline. Um, yeah, you should. But it's like that's so many moving parts to still figure out for a 500 team. And mm-hmm. so I just don't know how to have confidence in that. Um, and Dame's so Portland, the best player out of you, you, feel, team, so. you feel good about Portland? Well, I, as there. good as I can be about the ninth team, yeah, I think I would put Portland. Okay, there. lock it in. Lock yeah. in Portland. We got one more team. You got Utah, OKC, Minnesota, Lakers are probably the only ones that I think you would consider. <sighs> That's <enough. laughs> I, like I don't have confidence in any of them. Um, I know, I know. Like my uh, not my geez, not Miami. The Lakers are just like. I think, I mean, LeBron has been playing extremely well lately, which go sure. figure. Like, I think even like, again, his box scores were awesome to start the year, but I think it was pretty clear he was a little bit muted. I still think like the driving hasn't been there the same. Part of that is who he's playing with. Like, this is just a rough team. And they're in a spot where it's just like, I, I don't like if they make a move, it has to be very soon because they're not in a spot where they can keep dropping games. Like, yeah, because like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm making a move because it was like, let's give them till Thanksgiving. No, now let's give them till Christmas. Maybe, maybe January. Like, I don't know. Like, I'll believe it when I see it on them making a move that actually matters. Yeah, and, I think a lot. Just like when, how close is AD to getting back? You know, because there's no timetable for his return right now, uh, per yeah. last reporting. Yeah. But when he was playing, he was a borderline MVP candidate. Like he looked like he's the good. defensive player of the year. But again, it's it's when he's playing. Um, even just like missing yeah. Lonnie Walker has really hurt them. Uh, yeah, I, I think if I had to pick a team, I'll go OKC. I'd have more. Open. Yes. I would have more faith in OKC to make the play in than I would in, in in Los Angeles right now. Lock in the thunder. Okay, Mark. Thanks so much for joining the Saturday Slam and Jam. Go follow Mark on Twitter. M.G. Schindler. Is that right? Yeah, M.G. underscore Schindler. Underscore Schindler. Very close. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Don't forget the underscore. Uh, listen to us on the Daily Ding. Go read. Go go follow him on Twitter so you can see everything he writes because he's tremendous. One of the smartest people out there. Um, Mark, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All right, Andrew, it is time once again for the Wheel of Fandom, our weekly segment where we spin 
a digital wheel. It lands on a team and we become fans of that team for the next week. This week, for the first time ever in Wheel of Fandom history, we had two teams. First, it was the Chicago Bulls, who went 1-1 one one this week, including a loss to the Thunder and an impressive win over the Warriors, a game in which Nikola Vucevic went for 43. Our second Wheel of Fandom team was the Paris Bulls, the number one NBA team in France. The Paris Bulls are 1-0, undefeated, after dominating the Paris Pistons 126-108. Andrew, if our favorite teams are the Chicago and Paris Bulls, who are who is our guest? Uh, it could be only one person. When I think about the Bulls, there are a few things I think about, but there's definitely one person I'm thinking about when we talk about the Bulls, and it's Trey Kirby from No Dunks. Trey, what's up? Hey, great to be on the show. I, I know you're saying it's a one and one week for the Chicago Bulls, a one and O week for the Paris Bulls, but I personally just wanted to thank you guys because I consider this an undefeated week going wow. two and O over the Warriors and the Pistons. Uh, I've been wanting to get another invite back on the show. It would have been pretty sad if you asked me earlier in the season, but now is the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this season has been a struggle for the Bulls. Uh, early in the season, you were fighting off people who wanted the Bulls to blow it up. On December 18th, the Bulls were seven games under 500 at 11 and 18. And then they've stabilized somewhat since then. After a couple wins this week, they're 21 and 24, 10th in the East. How would you describe your current mood with regards to the Bulls in this season? More encouraged than I have been. Uh, you know, at the start of the season, like we're saying, it was a, it was a tough look for Chicago. Uh, the vultures were circling. Yeah. Every team, it seemed like, was monitoring the status of the Chicago right. Bulls. <laughs> potentially interested in Zach Levine, and he wasn't looking good uh, to start the year. He just signed a big co contract for five years, coming off of knee surgery, and it was looking pretty bad. He was at about like 20 points per game. The percentages were not great, but then basically once December came around, Levine seemed to get his legs under him. He's able to shoot and score now, and he's looking more like the player uh, that he was the past couple of seasons when he was an all-star. So yeah, it's been a, a strange season for the Bulls, especially in comparison to last year where they came out of the gates and kind of caught the league by fire. They were in first place into January of last season yeah. and then completely fell apart. So the way last season ended, the way the beginning of the season went, it wasn't a surprise that websites were calling them the most depressing team in the league. <laughs> but I think since they've gotten into the season and kind of figured out their roles a little bit more here, figured out how they're going to be playing with Lonzo Ball out for however long he's going to be out, the Bulls have stabilized to the point where right now, they're just a team in the middle right now, and I can I can live with that. Well, you had a I saw you had a tweet, a great stat. It was the teams in the league who have 15 wins against above 500 teams, and it is the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Bulls. And that like, that must make you feel good because the story last year was like, yeah, the Bulls are racking up all these wins, but they can't beat any of the good teams. And now it seems like they're actually doing really well or they're doing better against the good teams. And it's the bad teams. They're 6-11 and 11 against below 500 teams, which only Houston has fewer wins against below 500 teams. So does that give you a little hope that they're, they're at least competing with the good teams in the league? Yeah, it's such a change from last year when they, I think they went 1-14 against the top yeah. four seeds in the Eastern Conference. So this year, the fact that they're only beating the good teams... 
it's kind of strange to me. I don't know if it is the best teams in the league playing down to their competition, seeing the Bulls on the schedule, saying we got this one, with the combined fact that the Bulls certainly play up to their competition. I would like him to be able to get wins over the worst teams in the league. That's how your seeding is actually kind of determined, right? If they were able to play 500 basketball against the worst teams in the league, they'd be a pretty solid-looking playoff team right now. But as long as they're better in the second half of the season, and they certainly were in the second quarter of the season, I think they're at least trending the right way. We'll see how they hold up against uh, the best teams in the league in the second half of the season as they're all ramping up for the playoffs. They want to be at their best. We'll see if they start taking the Bulls a little bit more seriously. But I think it's at least a little encouraging that when you're looking at the teams who have the most wins over 500 teams, a 10th seed is in there. And to be quite honest, they should have the most wins over 500 teams in the entire league with two dubious foul calls that should have been overturned against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's two more wins against 500 teams in my book. Well, we'll count them on Slamming Jam. So that's 17 (laughs) wins. Uh, Donovan Mitchell did not score 70. That did not happen. (laughs) Yeah, just a cool 56. No big deal. (laughs) So obviously injuries have been a major issue for this team going back to last season. We still don't know when Lonzo will be back. But leaving injuries aside, what do you think are some of the main reasons why this team has struggled to find consistency on the court this season? There are a lot of times when it has been your turn, my turn with DeRozan and Levine. And that seemed to kind of come to a head in December when there were reports about Levine being unsatisfied with his role, largely in the fourth quarters where he's kind of just a bystander to DeRozan. Uh, I also think it's tough to be the third guy on any team. So there's been a lot of focus on Nikola Vucevic. And when you're the third guy and when you're a big guy, nobody really expects you to make 100% of your shots, but it's like, you're the wide open kickout shooter. You better make that one. If we're going to give it to you in the post, we got to make that one. It just seemed to me that they had a style of play last year that was influenced on getting out into transition, forcing turnovers, Lonzo hit ahead passes, Caruso wreaking havoc. They didn't have that coming into the season this year. So they had to figure out how to play a little bit more of a settled version of a game and how to incorporate all these pieces that can handle large part, uh, large usage rates where, you know, normally they, they seem to find their roles pretty smoothly last year because Lonzo got everybody involved. They've had to figure out how to have DeRozan and Levine as playmakers as well. And it's taken a little bit of time, no doubt. So Patrick Williams has had a really interesting career so far. He's gone from like untouchable top five guy to missing most of the second season with an injury. And then now he's like the solid three and D guy in his third season. Uh, Among non-Bulls fans, it feels like he's become somewhat of a forgotten man. You don't hear a lot of people talking about Patrick Williams as much, but he's only 21 years old. Do you still believe in the star upside of Pat Williams and what have been the major areas of development for him in the third season? I think the biggest area of development for Patrick Williams is he's shooting 42% from three. And that's huge. You know, he's top 20 in the league. He is tabbed as the three and D guy for the Bulls. He's their biggest upside swing. I don't know that I necessarily see star potential because he seems a little happy to fade to the background too often. Like he's shooting 42% from three, but still only taking three and a half per game 
He's yeah. not seeking out shots. He's not dominating possessions uh, like you would maybe hope for a guy who's in his third season. But at the very least, he feels like he's going to be a nice complimentary piece going forward. He's been involved in a lot of trade rumors since his career started. There was buzz about a Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant trade last year. Probably would have looked nice for Chicago. But I think that uh, he's shown enough in the past couple, the past month and a half that you're a little bit more encouraged about his development going forward as compared to the beginning of the season when he was just not doing much and kind of looked lost out there. Now he knows where his shots are coming from. He's aggressive defensively. He can hit the glass. I would just love to see him take on a little bit more of an offensive role. And maybe that comes if he's able to captain some second units or something along those lines. But at the very least, he can shoot. He can play defense. That's a good start. How are you feeling about the other Bulls young guys, mainly thinking about Io and Kobe White? Um, Io's obviously starting, like playing a lot of minutes. Kobe White has been in a ton of trade rumors, like going back seasons. Um, but watching him against the Thunder this this week, like he, he still seems like he has a lot to offer this team coming off the bench uh, as a shooter. How are you feeling about those two guys? I love Io's game. My only complaint about that is that he never takes free throws. He's uh, one of the quickest guys in the league. He's super aggressive going to the hoop, but he's also a really skinny guy. So there are certainly times when he avoids contact, but I think he gives great effort defensively. Uh, he's got pretty good size for his position, and he always plays super hard. So I'm a huge IO fan. Maybe he never tops out at anything more than a good spot starter and an awesome backup point guard, but that's pretty solid uh, for the Bulls. Kobe White, he's really hit or miss. He's going to be a guy that has a long career, I do think, as a sixth man J.R. Smith type. He's instrumental to the Bulls a lot of times because he's going to take the most threes outside of, outside of their big three. He's going to just let it fly when he's hot. It really helps the Bulls. He just had uh, a couple of threes and 10 points in this game against the Pistons in Paris. When he gives the bench a little bit of juice and a little bit of shooting, you can see why he was such a high draft pick. I don't necessarily think he's a mainstay in Chicago, but he's a solid guard in the rotation, I think. So after everything we've talked about, trade deadline is a little under a month away. What would you like to see the Bulls do? Are you open to trading one of their main pieces? Are you hoping for a smaller deal to bring in reinforcements? Or are you happy with them just standing pat and worrying about things in the summer? I think it's more likely that they stand pat and worry about things in the summer when their pick obligations to the Magic are expired after we see what happens with the draft lottery and if they're able to jump into the top four. There was definitely talk about blowing the Bulls up uh, during the first quarter of the season when they were looking pretty bad. And I was against that just because it doesn't feel like they have anything quite to blow up right now. They had a really tough four seasons. They made the trade for Vucevic. They got back to the playoffs for one year. So it seems like it would have been too quick of a step back. Vucevic is a big question mark, though, I do think. He's going to be eligible for an extension. I don't necessarily know if the Bulls want to tie themselves to him for a long time. So if there's a deal around Vucevic to be made, I think it's at least worth listening to. More likely, though, I think they just needed to churn a little bit on their roster and maybe bring in some vets who can help off the bench. Drummond has been a solid find. Dragic has been a solid find at times. But it's a shallow team. And as we saw last year, one injury completely derailed the season once other guys started picking up smaller injuries. The Bulls have been 
decently healthy outside Alonzo this year. But it feels like if one guy goes down, they could be in trouble. Uh, the good news for Chicago is that it feels like Toronto is the team that is uh, most likely going to be selling right now. I think the Bulls will probably do a little tinkering around the edges. And honestly, that's fine with me this season. Yeah. You think Vooch was trying to impress Joe Kim Noah with his passing in France yesterday? Uh, yeah, I think so. If you play for Chicago, you better be able to throw a backdoor bounce pass. From Brad yeah. Miller to Joakim Noah to Vucevic now, that's one of their bread and butters. How close are you to replicating Joakim Noah's outfit from yesterday? <laughs> well, I've got a gray sweatsuit. I've got Crocs. Now I've just got to find a floor-length floral robe and a crochet knit hat. Okay. Closer than I thought. Closer yeah. than I thought to that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, last question. Uh, this week the Bulls played a game in Paris against the Pistons. If you could take the No Dunks crew on in- any international trip for one week of podcasting anywhere in the world, where would you pick? Well, I mean, Paris isn't a bad choice. It's pretty crazy yeah. that the Bulls and the Pistons basically just got a week-long vacation in the middle of the season to go yeah, play yeah, one exciting game in Paris. That's wild. Adam Silver basically called it the European version of the All-Star game. It was wild stuff with Magic Johnson out there. Pharrell, obviously, they had Victor Wembanyama sitting courtside, just Mm -hmm. dreaming about what he could possibly look like in a Chicago Bulls uniform, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, But I don't know. I would love to go to the Philippines, to be quite honest. They're a basketball-crazed nation. We've, for a long time, had a big fan base in the Philippines because they are such big NBA fans. Yeah, and I think it'd be really exciting. Wow, that's an unexpected pick, and I like it and respect it. And I, I hope maybe you guys get the chance to do No Dunks Philippines sometime. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We've got a, a live show coming up in Salt Lake City in not too long. But if we crush that, maybe the Philippines is next on the list. <laughs> that's the test. That's a test case. That's right. <laughs> And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Well, Trey, thank you for answering all our questions about the Bulls. 
It is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, Bulls edition. This is where uh, Andrew goes head-to-head against an NBA beat writer, or in this case, Trey Kirby of No Dunks, to test their uh, trivia strength against each other. Now, uh, Trey, you've played this game before. You know how it works. There's eight questions all about the Bulls. Uh, we're going to go back and forth. You're going to give me a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will get a chance to steal. And we'll go back and forth until we've asked and answered all of the questions. So, just need you to start me off with a number between one and eight, Trey. I'm so happy to get another chance at this because every time I listen to the show, I kick myself for forgetting that Jimmy Butler had multiple 20-point-per-game seasons for the Bulls. I mean, yes, I did take down Andrew last time. We went head-to-head in trivia, but I'm still upset that I forgot Jimmy Butler's 20-point-per-game wow, seasons. Okay. I, like, literally a year ago, I'm like, every time you start doing it, I'm like, I can't believe I forgot Jimmy Butler. He was <laughs> the Bulls for five seasons. So, give me I'm, number I'm like six. Thinking, like, why are you mad? I know you beat me. Like, <laughs> hey, I want perfection here, you know? That okay. one I should have known. So, Trey, you said number six. Is number that six. Okay. Uh, the question is... And before you answer, there's there's some instructions. What is Alex Caruso's career high in steals in a single game? Now, you get to choose who answers first. And this one's interesting because, you know, steals, there's kind of a ceiling there. Yeah. So if you make Andrew ask, answer first and he gets it right, he gets both points. However, if you answer and you don't get it right, Andrew goes higher or lower, he could potentially get his one point. So basically, you get to choose who, who goes wow. first here. Yeah, that's a tough call. Um, okay, I'm going to give it to Andrew to take the first guess because even if he gets it right, he gets two. We're still early in the game. I think I can make it back. Okay, Andrew. Uh, career high in steals for Alex Caruso in a single game. Uh, 11. 11. Now, Trey, would you like to go higher or lower? Lower. Lower is correct. It was six. Six was six. the answer. Man. So Trey gets what a normal points. high number. <laughs> yeah, that's a normal high number. I was like, ooh, 11. That would have been impressive. I don't think I would have remembered an 11 steal game necessarily, but they don't happen all that often. No, they don't. Um, okay, Andrew. Uh, so the board is yours. Uh, any number but six? Uh, number one. Question number one. The Bulls only have one player on their roster, Zach Levine who makes more than two three-pointers per game. It's kind of interesting. There are only four other teams in the league who do not have at least two guys who hit two threes per game. Who are those teams? Now, Andrew, you have a chance here to get four points because you get that one point two per correct answer. Threes. Okay. So these are all teams who only have one guy or they have zero guys who make <sighs> two threes per game. Okay. I... I want to say OKC just because I know their stars don't take many threes. Um, you want to say it? Make... Are you going to say it? <laughs> I'll say OKC. Andrew, that is correct. I think Lou Dort's like at 1.9. Ooh. Yeah. But they have zero. Yeah. They're one of two teams that has zero. Yeah, they have none. Too. All right, Andrew, um, next guess. Um, Three possible um, points or- remaining. Orlando? Andrew, Orlando is the other team that has no guys who make two threes per game. Nice. Okay. So now you have, uh, there's just two teams left. Now, both of these teams, similar to the Bulls, have one guy 
who makes at least two threes per game, but that's it. Okay. And who are those teams? I don't know if D'Angelo Russell's making two per game. Mm-hmm. But that's the other one that I'm... I'll say Minnesota. I don't know. I don't know who the other one is, but I'll say Minnesota. Minnesota is incorrect. Andrew, this Woo! means Trey, you have a chance to steal two points. Uh, and if you'd like to know who's hitting two threes for the Wolves, Anthony Edwards at 2.5 and D'Angelo Russell at 2.4. Oh, dang it. Man, this is, uh, I don't know. OKC was my first choice as well. Just as a, as a known, their stars don't shoot a lot of threes teams. Yeah. For my guess, though, I'm going to go with the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies. That I'm a little is... worried. Incorrect, Trey. Oh. Let me tell you who's uh, hitting threes for them. Well, it's probably Bain and a... Jackson. Desmond Bain, 3.3. Dylan Brooks, 2.0. Oh, no, the, the other two teams, the New York Knicks, only Julius Randle is hitting, making oh. more than two threes. And the Washington yeah. Wizards, the Zards. The Zards. Now, we have a Weird. tie game after our first two questions. Oh, it's tight. Scoring a lot of points. Trey, it is back to you. I'll take two, please. Okay, now, Alex Caruso is known for causing chaos on the defensive side of the ball. In fact, when Caruso is on the court, the percentage of possessions where the Bulls generate a turnover increases by 5.2%, which is the second biggest impact in the league. This third-year Western Conference player who averages 20 minutes per night is the only player to have a bigger impact on generating turnovers for his team. Now, once again, it's a third-year Western Conference player who averages 20 minutes per night. He's the only one to have a bigger impact on generating turnovers for his team. He only plays 20 minutes? Uh, That's what he averages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He averages 20 20 minutes a night? Third-year Western Conference. So I gave you some clues there because this is a tough one. I'll yeah. be honest. Ah, uh, man, that's a that's really tough. This is a, a pure guess. I'm not even sure it's his third year, but it feels like his third year to me. Okay. Josh Green of the Dallas Mavericks. Josh Green oh. of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Trey, that is absolutely correct for oh! two. Oh! Oh! Wow, what a huge, pull. huge. I thought I did think it was his third year. I know he's one of the most active guys on the Mavericks. And I know Mavericks fans were like, we're really missing Josh Green right now before he just came back into the lineup. That's nice. That was a very good guess. Okay, Andrew, back to you. We've gotten the full amount of points so far. Six points after three questions. Here we go, Andrew. Number three. Question number three. Everyone knows the 98 Bulls, the iconic team of the last dance. But what about the team after the last dance? That's right. We're going to try to name as many players as we can from the 1998-1999 Chicago Bulls who finished 13-37. and So how this works, Andrew will give me a name. Then we'll go to Trey who will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles trying to name players from the 99 Bulls, the team after the last dance. Tony Kukoc. That is correct. To Trey. Bill Wennington. Bill Wennington. Far down my list. Correct. Number one on my list. He gave a speech 
before the season started saying, that was the last dance. Let's consider this the first dance. Boy, did he really? <laughs> yeah, he like gave a speech to the crowd. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure Brent Barry was on that team. That is correct, Andrew. Back to Trey. Oh, man. I, <laughs> Cornell David. Who? <laughs> oh, that, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. <laughs> I was looking on my list. Cornell. Like, I've never heard that name before. Oh, yep, he's there he is. Cornell David. Okay, back to Andrew. Andrew, I think about Ron to get Harper very was tough. still on that team. Uh, Andrew, that's right. That is correct. Ron Harper was still on that team, which means we go back to Trey. You guys have named five of the players uh, so far. It's very exciting. Okay. Nine. Now's where it gets tough. Although I would say Cornell David was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that I'm, I'm not, honestly that like. Not, I'm th- that name is not in my brain. <laughs> yeah. There, there are three notable names to me from the Bulls being at their absolute Nadir after uh-huh. the the dynasty years, but I'm not sure if they were all there for 98, 99. So give me Corey Blunt. Corey Blunt. Uh, okay, there are two Corys, but neither their last names are Blunt. Yeah, so yeah. Corey Benjamin. Was, uh, Corey Benjamin. How, how do you? You know, you say a name like Cornell David. I'm thinking, oh, Trey's going to just rattle these off. He must know all these guys. Corey Carr was the other Corey. <laughs> All uh, right, tell me if these two names are on the list or if they came okay. later in that three-year period when they were really, really bad. Uh, Dragon Tarlock. No. Chris that's, that's not a real name. Hey, man, the Bulls had some wild dudes come through uh, those couple Tarlock? of years after. Yeah, the dragon, dragon. The first dragon in the NBA. No wow. bender. What a name. Okay. Wow. Uh, what, was your, what are the other names you were going to say? Uh, Chris Anstey. Chris Anstey? No. Australian center. <laughs> they must be uh, like 99-2000 then. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, See, so this the is name- going to be the one that kills me this time, I think. Uh, so so there's some names I thought you might get because they, they are memorable just because of their just the way they sound. Dickie Simpkins. <sighs> I thought, oh, that's a classic name. Trey's going to remember that. And then Rusty LaRue, another classic <laughs> name. But then we had uh, Mark Bryant. Uh, who we know, Randy Brown, Andrew Lang, Charles Jones, Keith Booth, and then Mario Bennett, who only played three games for them. Okay, so after that, that was Andrew's question. It is tied four to four. Nice. And Trey, the board is yours. I'll go eight. Question number eight. Trey, that's a good one to pick. You have a chance to get three points on this one. Okay. Now, Chicago has the fourth most played five-man lineup in the league. Io, Zach Levine, DeMar, Patrick Williams, and Vooch. There are only three teams in the league who have a lineup with more minutes than that Bulls lineup. Which teams are they? And you get one point per correct answer. So you got to think of teams that have been healthy over the course of the year. Teams that have had all their guys, their starting lineup most likely. Healthy five-man lineups. <laughs> to play more than the Chicago lineup, which is fourth. Okay. Uh, how about the Celtics? That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal, <gasps> potentially steal three. Not points. good. Um, goodness. Man, who are the healthiest teams out there? <sighs> <laughs> That's the question. The healthiest teams. What about 
What about Portland? Andrew, that is correct for one point. Oh! The Portland Trailblazers. Um, Any other guesses? You still, you could still get two more points. Houston? Andrew, that is also correct for oh, another point. Can he get the um, final one? What a what about the the Nugs? The Denver Nuggets. Do they have a lineup that has played more minutes than the Chicago Bulls starting lineup? They do not. It nah. was the Sacramento Kings as the other oh, That's a good one. All right, Andrew, you're now up by one, and you have control of the board with only oh. three questions left. Oh, boy. All right, number four. Question number four. According to Cleaning the Glass, the last time the Bulls had a top 10 offense or defense was the 2016-17 season, when the Bulls had the seventh-ranked defense. That oh, season, who led the Bulls in steals and who led them in blocks? And you get one point per correct name so you gotta think oh back to the 2016 gosh. 17 bulls who led them in steals and who led them in blocks total steals total blocks for the 2017 bulls jimmy butler and what did he do andrew steals, steals i guess steals or blocks uh okay steals that is correct for one point okay. and who led them in blocks this is a tough one I don't know that I can remember who their starting center was. Oh, Lord. Um, I don't know. Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson. He was on the team, Andrew, but that is not the correct answer. Trey, you get a chance to steal for one. <clears throat> Turn this game back in your favor. Yeah, this would be big. I'm trying. I think Powell was probably to the Spurs. Uh. Dwayne Wade? That would make this question very interesting, but it was not Dwayne Wade. A good guess. It was simply Robin Lopez. Rolo. Mm. Is that one going to haunt you, Trey? No. No, the one that's going to haunt me is naming players from the (laughs) 98-99 Bulls and not naming Dickie Simpkins when I have a Dickie Simpkins card sitting within arm's length of me. Number eight, just like Robin Lopez, just like Zach Levine. That's the one that's going to kill me. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Robin Lopez is one season wearing number eight for the Bulls. Levine came the next year, went to 42. Ah, tough one. Okay, the game is not over, though. There's two questions left. You are down by three, but you have control of the board. I like number seven, please. Question number seven. The Bulls have five former All-Stars on their roster. Zach Levine, DeMar, Andre Drummond, Goran Dragic, and Vooch. There is only one team in the NBA with five former All-Stars. Which team is it? It's the Bulls and this team. Okay, the Bulls and this team, it's got to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is incorrect. They have four. They have uh, Garland, Jarrett Allen, K-Love, and uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Mitchell. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Donovan. Yeah. yeah. Ricky Rubio was never an all-star. Mobley didn't make it last year. That was, oh, that was dumb. Oh, that was stupid. Uh, Carousel Vert has not made. Uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew, you get a chance to steal. The only other team with five former all-stars. Five former all-stars. 
I was going to guess the Cavs as well. That's really into my head. Right Cavs on the brain. I feel like I can get to like three with every team. I don't know why. I, I don't know. This that's not right. I don't know. It's it's not the Lakers. I'll just say the Lakers. I don't know who this. I actually thought this would be the easiest question. It is Golden State. Steph Curry, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, and Andre Iguodala. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't think of them. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't. Boston think of them. is sneaky because they have four with Blake Griffin, Horford, Blake. and 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 yeah, uh, yeah. Jaylen I Brown thought of that too. Them. I just was like, I don't know who the fifth, fifth is. Yeah. I don't like the Warriors. So that is easy. That's like that so, is easy. I feel so yeah. dumb. I feel so <laughs> dumb right now. I feel so so dumb. Uh, okay. Last question, Andrew. You get first dibs on it. We are quickly coming up on the 2023 All-Star Game in Salt Lake City, and along with it, the 40th Slam Dunk Contest. Did you know that? I was on Wikipedia just nope. counting them up. Has anyone said it's the 40th Slam Dunk Contest? Wow. Uh, how many dunk contest winners played for the Bulls at one point in their career? You don't have to tell me the names. You just have to give me the number. Dunk contest winners who played for the Bulls at one point in their career. Four. Four. That is incorrect. Trey, you have a chance to steal. Okay. Michael Jordan. Nate Robinson. That is two. Zach Levine. That is three. Derek Jones Jr. That is four. So we've got more than four. Uh, Who else has won dunk contest and crossed over to the Bulls? No Vince Carter. No Fred Jones. No Jeremy Evans. Oh, man. Uh, six. <laughs> you were right there. I mean, you was had it? four. You knew it could had to be. It was five. It's five. The only other name. Brent Barry. Brent Barry. Right? Brent Barry. Yeah. It was even mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, I mean, pile it up with Jimmy Butler and Dickie Simpkins. <laughs> Brett Barry came on our show and we talked to him <laughs> once a week for six years. <laughs> the Bone Zone. The Bone Zone. The Bone Zone. Oh, wow. I love the Bone Zone. Uh, uh, well, Brett Barry did win a dunk contest. Uh, you had some shots there at the end, but in the end, it was Andrew's week, seven to four over Trey Kirby. Oh, man. Uh, if you're not listening to No Dunks, you, you're not doing basketball correctly, so go listen to No Dunks. You, you could even watch No Dunks on YouTube. You should go do that. You should subscribe to their YouTube channel and listen to listen and watch. Just do it. Just do both, and you'll just have more fun, and you'll be smarter <laughs> for it. Uh, Trey, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, and I'll echo uh, what you said. If you listen and you watch... It's great for our download numbers. It counts twice. So even yeah. better. Uh, but thanks, y'all, for having me again. Uh, I'm excited to be upset with myself for the next year, but <laughs> at least in 2024, we can have the rubber match. That's right. There's always That's next right. time. Uh-huh. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Thank you, Trey. Thanks, guys. All right, Andrew, that was Bulls Week, an international week on the Wheel of Fandom segment. It's time to spin the wheel and get our team for next week. Next week's Wheel of Fandom team will be 19 teams remaining. Who's it going to be? It will be the 
Denver Nuggets. Ooh. 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 We get to watch that matchup that you are talking about with the 76ers. Uh, actually, we don't, Andrew, because that's... Is uh, it on that Saturday? No, it's next Saturday, oh, Saturday, unfortunately, and we only go through... Oh, dang, it's like right after, but you get to watch, you get to, you get to listen about... The right Nuggets, before. right before, right before the matchup, you get to know, you get to learn all the things about Nuggets before then. Who we got, Who um, we got on the, on the uh, list? They're playing here? Indiana tonight at home. Then they play okay. OKC at home. That's two weeks in a row. We've picked a team. Who's yeah, on Sunday. Yep. Uh, next Tuesday at New Orleans. Ooh, Wednesday, Ooh. juicy at Milwaukee. At oh, there's Milwaukee. some there's some serious juice to that one. I like that. Big that juice. Not really a nationally fun. televised game for some reason. Uh, I guess uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, Saturday though, that, which we'll be excited about one. talking about next Friday. Yeah, at yeah. the Sixers we'll pre- on ABC. Ooh, that's juicy. We'll preview that for you guys for sure. Yeah, that should be fun. Getting getting to watch the Nuggets. They're they're performing at such a high level right now. Uh, one of the only teams in the West performing at a high level. So I'm really looking forward to watching some good basketball. Uh, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will read it on the show just like this one from defluche in the united states of america great trivia five stars i don't think i've ever left a podcast review before but was inspired to write this after hearing the most recent andrew versus the beat with the pelicans beat writer it was riveting i laughed out loud several times and the quote worst trivia question ever written on the show was actually fantastic keep up the good work guys uh, thank you so much for that review. Hey, Again, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Leave us. Hey, hey, hey. You know who else gave us a review this week? Hmm. Uh, Mr. Zach Lowe on his podcast, oh, The Low Post. He said, quote, oh, I'm goodness. a fan of the Saturday Slam and Jam podcast. <laughs> Probably our most high profile <laughs> review we've ever gotten. Very exciting. <laughs> the most shocking review <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> ever in Slam and Jam history. Hey, if you want to leave a review... We'll read it right here on the show. Make sure it's five stars, and we'll read it at the end of the show. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Enjoy the basketball this weekend, and we'll be back with you next week.